Welcome on into Zoom and the 2021 GCI Tweet Up presented for the 10th straight year by Aquatrolls. Each of the first nine Tweet Ups unfolded live on the floor of the golf industry show. Of course, there was no physical golf industry show this year, so we went virtual. And thank you so much for came with us. We have a packed hour this afternoon with turf Twitter panels featuring Dr. John Kaminsky and Matthew Wharton, Matt Gourlay, and W. Craig Wyant. We have a conversation with Morgan Creighton about her Women in Turf Grass Management program. Live music by Midlife put Turf Twitter breakout stars Paul and Christy Hurst and the presentation of the Kaminsky Award for overall excellence and leadership in social media. Before any of that, congratulations to all of our Super Social Media Award winners. Matt Schaefer, the oldest rookie of the year ever. Trey Kemp, best idea shared. That's golf course aerial of the day on Twitter. Morgan Creighton, who you'll hear from a little later on, the best new program, the aforementioned women in turf grass management. Craig Wyatt, who you see, I think, on the screen. There he is. Her conservation uh, award. Dan Grogan, Jeff Sexton, and Thad Thompson all picked up the best Twitter feed. And James Bledge and Ryan Cummings for best overall use. You can check out all of the video conversations on our Twitter and Facebook feed. The full talks will drop as a podcast on Friday morning. The audio version of this tweet up will drop tomorrow morning on GCIMagazine.com and wherever you listen to podcasts. That's it on the intro for me. Let's go over to a word from our sponsor again for the 10th great year, Aquatrol's CEO, Matt Foster. Good afternoon. Thanks, Matt. Uh, enjoy and appreciate being able to be with everybody this afternoon. Uh, I can't tell you how cool really it is to be associated with the tweet up for a decade um and i guess because that sponsorship it uh, affords me a minute or two to to ramble on about aqua trolls but uh i think i think you guys know us enough we've been around for 65 years our our commitment to this space and the industry has not been any stronger ever than it is today nor will it um i i would just like to to spend a minute or two talking about uh your efforts um, I, I frequently start off with, um, in, in some of my meetings, especially those who, who have not been in the golf industry, maybe for a long time with, uh, with a comparison on how we are to, um, you know, compared to the, the, the space or footprint that golf takes up. If you took all of the greens in North America and you put them on one piece of land, some of you have probably already done this math before, it would total plus or minus about 45,000 acres or about 49 square miles. Those of you who are raised in Nebraska, like me, you go seven miles over, seven miles up, and that's, that's it. That's the spot of land. Uh, also known as one pretty good size uh, sunflower grower in North Dakota. So that's it. That's all the greens in North America on our piece of land that small. And if you put all of the people associated with the, the efforts on those courses and greens on that piece of land, it would be very densely populated. Uh, you would feel, it would feel close knit and like a tight, a tight community. Um, you'd be able to see people everywhere you look. But that's not the reality of, of our community. We take those 45,000 acres and we spread them across a continent. 
And, uh, and that still to this day, you know, being in the industry almost 30 years continues to kind of boggle my mind. And it, and it makes me think back to my sense of community when I started off as a superintendent many years ago in the, in the late nineties. And I, and I thought about like, who, who did I know? Who did I talk to? I, I knew the three soups in my town and, and we'd pick up the phone, we'd have a beer, we played each other's courses. Maybe yeah, that's that was about it. I go to a, a trade show or a section event and I'd, I'd meet another soup, couple, three, maybe in the state and I, my network would expand, but uh, that was kind of it. And, and to be perfectly candid, plenty of times I felt small or, or disconnected and uh, then I fast forward 20 years and I look at the efforts of all of you here today and, you know, what you're doing, whether you realize it or not, is you're, you're putting all of us in the industry on that same piece of land and you are creating a community uh, and it's, it's special and I can't, uh, I can't thank you enough for your efforts. Um, so that's, that's really all I wanted to say. It's, it's a big deal. Community is a big deal. It's never, arguably you could say it's, it's never been more important than it is right now. So on behalf of myself and Aquatrols, uh, I applaud your effort. Congratulations to the winner and thank you to all of you. Matt? Perfect. And even, they'll be even better when we hear them next year at the 2022 Golf Industry <laughs> in person. It'll be great to shake some hands and, and give some hugs next time. Amen. Week. For sure. Well, let's keep you on for a few more minutes because we always kick off the tweet up with the highest honor, the highest praise of the year. And it is named for one of our panelists, Dr. John Kaminsky, who was on the cover of Golf Course Industry many years ago for a story about being one of the early leaders in turf Twitter and turf social media. The outtake photos were fantastic. The cover photo was fine. The outtakes were great. This year, however, Matt Foster, John Kaminsky on to help me present the 2021 John Kaminsky Award for Excellence in Turf Twitter and social media. Very much deserved to Drew Miller. Drew is the head of the Turf Grass Management Program at Brentsville District High School. Virginia, where there are fewer than 1,000 students and more than a quarter of them are in the turf grass management program. He said before we came on, he has, I think, more than 20 students already on golf courses just right now. Current students, more than 20 on golf courses at this moment. Uh, and you do a lot of great work there. You also really help spread the word on the golf side, on the turf grass side, of everything this industry can be through the excellent Tigers and Turf Grass podcast, which brand new episode went up just today with Dr. John Kaminsky. I had a chance to listen to it right before this uh, tweet up, and it was fantastic. And I actually have a question from that podcast when we have John on the panel here in a few minutes. Drew, congratulations. Thank you so much for everything you do. Tell me, where did the idea of the podcast come from? Because we're in the age of podcasts. I listen to a ton. You listen to a ton. You have a great setup. But to do something like this that's geared, I imagine, for your students, but also really for, for turf pros, 
And to bring in such a venerable guest list, just, just among people on the screen, you've had Matthew Wharton and you've had John Kaminsky on already. And I bet you'll have a lot of the people on the screen on uh, over the run of the show. Well, I want, I want to say thank you, first off. It's such an incredible honor, and our students were so excited to hear about it, especially with the year we've been in. Uh, it, it really means the world to us, and I can't thank our students enough. Um, as for the podcast with Tiger Turf Talk, um, when we started, and this was back in March of last year, sort of when we got hit in the face with COVID, obviously, um, we had uh, a time frame where school was sort of optional for our students. So we wanted to sort of do something that kept them interested and kept them coming to class in some way. Um, by doing that, I actually reached out to Nicole Sherry, the head groundskeeper for the Baltimore Orioles. And I set up a virtual field trip to Camden Yards just to go through things, talk to her about it and whatnot. Um, and it went really well. The kids had an absolute blast. Um, they got to see everything on the ground level. She walked us through the stadium, gave them pretty much a in-person tour, just again, on a camera sort of. <laughs> um, but my students and I were sitting down um, this summer. Again, we were in limbo a lot, like everyone else was, um, with COVID, not knowing what levels are going to be where, what's going to be okay. Um, we really didn't know that we were going all virtual for the beginning of the year until probably about a month before. So this is like August timeframe. Um, and I sat down with a couple of my uh, leadership group. We call them the turf council, my uh, seniors, former leadership group. And, uh, we discussed how the, uh, virtual field trip went so well. And I was like, well, what if we do something different? Not, not as much of forcing people to carry us around and sort of show us stuff. And one of my students goes, let's set up a podcast. And I was like, that's actually a fantastic idea. So um, we spent probably that majority of that month figuring out who we could have on. And I wrote out this list of people I know. Um, and it's been, it's truly been an honor to have the people we've had on. I mean, we've had people from uh, Wimbledon uh, all the way to, again, like you said, Matthew Wharton right here uh, on. And it's been incredible to uh, see really, everyone take a, a huge role in my kids' education and really showing them uh, what's possible. And like you said, we do try and do enough to where we keep it new. Obviously, the audience is pointed towards our students, but at the same time, we, we try and have these great learning, lifelong lessons that people can learn from, not just our kids, you know. Uh, we had uh, Leah Withrow. She's the uh, head groundskeeper for the Reno Aces. She was in the middle of a field construction when she was doing the podcast. So we talked about sort of the steps and the ideas behind it, the soil she's using, and pretty much use that time frame as a lesson for our students to really talk about what is possible. You know, um, we had uh, Blake Mintemeyer on to discuss the large event of what the waste management open is. You know, and have everyone understand what kind of traffic goes through dealing with the different aspects of the event. And I think we had them on the week after the event. Uh, and obviously with COVID, it's a little different, but able to talk about what's out there for our students and what the future could hold for them is really what the podcast is all about. And again, Tiger Turf Talk's been a great success uh, with our students. And again, it opens the eyes to a lot of people to see what this industry is all about and how fantastic an opportunity it is for young folk, you know? One of the challenges that you've had this year, and you mentioned this when we were on the phone, it was either earlier this week or last week, it, it all blends together at this point, 
<laughs> but you have had such little in-class time with your students this year. You've been able to do a lot of stuff outdoors, but how have you tackled education in the time of COVID? I, mean, I know you've got various groups on, on different days and they can come in on Monday, but not the rest of the week or Wednesday, but not the rest of the week. I mean, it's incredible challenges as, as an educator, I'm sure. There, there's a lot of ways to describe virtual learning and I'm sure Dr. Kamitsky can definitely speak to it as well. Um, we, so we've been virtual all year long up until about three weeks ago. Uh, back in November, uh, I think it was November like 7th, um, after the first quarter ended, our seniors, so our capstone class, the last group uh, leaving to graduate, we got the okay to come in on Mondays. Thank goodness, because trying to care for however many acres, how many fields, grounds, and whatnot by myself and uh, a couple of my students that were allowed to come on uh, from the summertime has been crazy. Um, but again, with that, Mondays became sort of our day to come in and COVID kind of stretched like the temperature range of what's okay to have children outside. So <laughs> we were in all through December and uh, January and all that. Um, and it was great because again, a lot of my seniors, it's, it's been very difficult for them, obviously, not being able to go to school for their senior year. Um, a lot of people talk about 2020 and the kids that lost a lot at graduation and whatnot. Well, 2021 actually lost a lot more compared to that. Um, and again, with everything that's going on, uh, getting them to come back in about four weeks ago, I believe is the time frame. Um, it was really great. Uh, so Mondays, I was, I was one of the only teachers in the county working on Mondays, technically in person. So always fun with that, but I love my kids. So it was great. Um, but moving forward, we have two days a week where you alternate and you have the same class two days in a row. And it's a certain amount of time where we get like an hour and a half with a kid once a week. And again, they're altering their classes. So it's been very interesting. And I have a virtual setting while I'm in person. So I'm carrying my phone around like, Hey guys, don't run into someone. Okay. I'm trying to talk to them, trying to talk to the guys over here. Um, so it's been interesting. And again, with that podcast, it's, it's been a, a godsend for a lot of reasons, uh, especially sort of keeping one steady thing throughout the hybrid model of in-person and out-of-person uh, virtual setting. Um, but again, everything has been very interesting. It's probably the, the nicest way to put it, but it's definitely been a ride that we're going to learn from and move forward with and take into the next time we hopefully we'll never have to do this again, you know? <laughs> fingers, fingers crossed for that. And of course, to make things even more complicated, all your students are on spring break this week. So we originally planned to have a whole bunch of them in a field behind you for this. You did the next best thing, and I want to make sure I get this right. Let's see. We tried to get more in the video, but yeah. <laughs> it's it's definitely their spring break, and it's time for That's them tough. to relax. So we got it done before uh, they left. Of course, now I can't even. Oh, for heck's sake. There we go. All right. So this is from the uh, Brentsville Turfgrass Tigers. I'm guessing some of them are on. But uh, this is the message you put together. And thanks so much for doing this, Drew. Okay. Uh, on behalf of all of us here in the Brentsville Turfgrass Management Program, I want to thank the Golf Course Magazine for this incredible honor of the John Kaminsky Award of Social Media Leadership. 
I had the honor of meeting Dr. Kaminsky at Penn State, and we are so grateful to be honored with the award named after him. Um, it has been a rough year for our program being stuck in this virtual setting when we love caring for our fields at Brentsville and doing the day-to-day -day work. The highlight of our school year this year has been the podcast that a students developed with Mr. Miller, Tiger Turf Talk. Uh, we, we've been able to meet so many incredible industry leaders that have taught us so much about the opportunities that, that are out there for us uh, and what we can expect working in all areas of turf grass management. I personally have grown my network from our small classroom to across the world. It is truly inspiring to see how tight knit this community is and how they have shown support, not only their coworkers, but all members of this incredible industry. I'm excited to spend my second summer working on a golf course and grow even more into what the future holds. Pretty well done there. I thought I thought you did that uh, pretty well for throwing that together. It's one take, so I, I think it turned out okay, you know. <laughs> well, Drew Miller, the head of the Brentsville District High School Turfgrass Management Program, Turfgrass Tigers. Uh, you can read about them in the November 2019 golf course industry uh, issue or more recently, wherever you listen to podcasts, the Tiger Turf Talk podcast and the winner of the 2021 Kaminsky Award. Drew, congratulations. Thank you guys so much. It's, it's an honor. I appreciate it. The kids definitely appreciate it as well. So thank you. That is just the first of a handful of great, great conversations we have. Up next, you see him already on the screen, Matthew Wharton of Carolina Golf Club, John Kaminsky, Dr. John Kaminsky of Penn State. The first of two roundtables. This is the evolution of social media. You both have been on Twitter for seemingly ever. John, you were on so long ago that you, the award is named after you, quite literally, Matthew, uh, people know you as uh, CPC Greenkeeper more than they know you as Matthew Wharton online. I think before anything else, and, and, and Matthew, we talked about this in a recent podcast recording, but what has changed for you and how you use social media over the last few years? I'll let either one of you uh, go first, whoever wants to. Okay. <laughs> John sending it over to me. Uh, well, congratulations to, to Drew and to all the winners. And uh, thank you to Aquatrols for continuing to sponsor the tweet up. You know, typically we'd all be together at GIS and we'd all have a cold beverage in our hand and Gourlay and I would be trying to see who had the most ribbons. And, uh, and we'll get to that in a minute, Matt. But um, anyway, um, like I said in that podcast we did, uh, I guess it aired yesterday, but we recorded a few weeks ago. This for me all just started as a way to bridge the gap between blog posts to the members <laughs> and then this whole community that Matt Foster so eloquently described earlier, you know, existed and formed. And, um, you know, I've always tried to keep it positive, always try to keep it professional. Uh, like I said to you in that podcast, I think in order to maintain, uh, to be authentic, you still have to reveal a little bit about your true self and your personality. So, I think some of that's come out uh, over the years, uh, more, um, more of my personal taste and uh, exposing some, 
some of the behind the scenes with the family, but all again with something positive, um, I avoid the negative. So uh, as far as the evolution, you know, I'm still just a one trick pony. I'm just a Twitter guy. Uh, you know, my wife's on Facebook um, and I think she's on Snapchat. I don't d do with either of those. Uh, I keep hearing uh, that uh, Jim Huntoon is really killing it on Instagram with these Instagram stories, but I don't get to see them because I'm not on there. So uh, I can't really speak about that. Maybe Mr. Kam Dr. Kaminsky can uh, enlighten us. Um, yeah, I, I'm not on Snapchat. I actually have an account, but I'm not on it by that. So I can't enlighten you on that. But um, before I go, I would say a couple things. First, Drew um, and your students, congratulations. Uh, definitely well-deserved. I think in the podcast last night that we did and then just seeing all the things you're doing, I mean, it's, you know, you're winning at a, a social media award, but you're really changing um, the industry in a good way. So congrats to you and your students. Um, all of you look really nice. I'm dressed in my uh, COVID attire. I, I refuse to dress up anymore. I wear the same jeans and the same sweatshirt every day. Um, I did have my wife cut my hair in this weekend so that I have, you know, at least it's not a shaggy mess for everybody. Um, but hopefully we'll be getting back to normal soon. Um, the social media stuff, um, you know, what I said on the podcast last night was um, some people look at it as a way that we're becoming disconnected from each other. And I think it's just the opposite. I've been saying this forever, but um, it allows us to, to get to meet people and get to know them, whether it's listening to um, Paul sing songs on, on Twitter or um, somebody tweeting something out. Um, it, it creates that personal connection. So then when we do get to GIS and we meet in person, we are friends, we know each other, right? Even though we're doing it virtually right here, um, when we get in person, there's that level of comfort. So I, I don't think it's um, a, a disconnect. I think it actually brings us together more. Um, and it takes an already pretty small industry in, in the turf grass industry and makes it even and smaller, I think. Um, so it's been great. It's been a fun evolution to see. Uh, I said it yesterday to Drew's students, you know, I do get concerned about um, the pressure put on young individuals and, and how they use social media and, and the, the number of trolls that have emerged. Um, you know, that's a, something that we have to, to be careful of. Um, but, but otherwise, I think it's a great way to bring us together. And I'm, I'm glad that, you know, we're, what was this the 10th year, Matt? Is that what it was said? Um, it I think that's great. I think that's great. One of the other things that you said in the podcast, which the fact that it was recorded last night and Drew, you've already turned it around. It's pretty good. It's pretty quick. Uh, one of the things you said, John, was talking with some of your students about personal and professional Twitter accounts. And I think there was somebody who went through your two-year program who either didn't get an interview or didn't get a job because of some of the posts that they made. And they weren't anything inflammatory, just comments about maybe some hot button issues. I think, I think it was about firearms. Um, and Matthew, this ties into something that we talked about on that same podcast a few weeks ago in terms of you've never viewed your Twitter account as your own. It's always an extension of CGC. You are CGC Greenkeeper. What are your guys' thoughts, Matthew and John, about the differences between personal and professional accounts? Is this something that especially young turf pros need to look into? Maybe having private accounts, having a, a public professional account, anything like that? I can start, I guess, Matt. Um, 
from my standpoint, look, I grew up where there was no social media and no cell phones, right? So like I learned how to use it after the fact. The young people growing up, all of your students, they, they've never known a world without social media. So how do you expect somebody that's 10, 11, 12, 13 years old that started an Instagram account, how do you expect them to have to take into consideration um, career choices 10 years down the road? It just seems ridiculous, right? You're not letting them be kids. But at some point, things that they posted on that social media may reflect a personal, uh, you know, a personal story, not necessarily a professional side of it. So my students say, well, I only have a personal one and I'll keep it private. And I'm like, but then you miss out on the opportunity of being visible to people in a professional way, right? The, the golf course industry or whatever it is that your job is. And um, in discussions with people, you know, hiring committees, some of them are looking for that, not to disqualify you from a position, but to see if you're a good communicator and the type of things that you say. And like Matthew said, to, to have positive messages um, around the club. And I think people get hired like that. I think Chris Tridabaugh, being hired at Hazeltine National, a big part of it was his blog and his and his uh, outward communication. And had he not had that, I think that maybe he wouldn't have been the right person for that job. And so um, I think it's important to have both. I think it's important to have a professional, you know, visual of whatever your social media is. And it may be one account, which makes it easier to manage, or it may be multiple accounts. But I don't think we should exclude people from having, you know, personal thoughts and um, and those types of things. I think it's, you're seeing it in politics now. People are going back to somebody's tweet from eight years ago and, and using that against them. Um, and, and things change and people develop and people learn and people get better, right? And let's not cancel culture everybody right off the bat because it's something they tweeted when they were 13 years old. Um, so that, that's kind of how I talk about it with my students, Matt. I don't know if you have any other thoughts. I'm kind of in the same boat as you, uh, you know, I, I think I'm a little bit older than you. So, yeah, I've, I've kind of had to grow as as uh, technology has evolved and developed. And um, so I, I, I can't even begin to wrap my head around, you know, someone that's a senior in high school uh, and, and and their thoughts. And plus, it's, it's a little bit of a generational thing. You know, my generation, we didn't, uh, to use my grandmother's catchphrase, you just don't air your dirty laundry in public. And it's just amazing some of the stuff that people are willing to share and post. And uh, I just, you know, it baffles me. And, and but that, I think that just, you know, probably speaks more about my age and, you know, my upbringing. So, yeah. And I think it's, it's an interesting thing because um, a while ago when I was hanging out with Frank Wong in California, his buddy um, worked at Facebook and He's a guy, one of the people that created the like button, right? So he was a fairly big person at Facebook. Um, and we went to lunch with him and he's, and I said, you know, I'm just, this is 2009 or 10 and I'm trying to teach my students security measures and how to keep their account private to some. And he just laughed. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he was like, all these things like people getting high and doing keg stands and like we, he even said it, we at Facebook would like, would like those issues to just be nothing to not be an issue of why you would hire or fire somebody. And I looked at him as an East Coaster, right? I'm very laid back on the West Coast. As an East Coaster, I was like, you're nuts. Have you ever been to you know, New York City? Like, that's not going to fly. You can't have pictures of you doing bong hits on your Facebook account and think that that's going to be okay. But to his credit, things have changed a lot in 10 or 11 years, um, whether you like it or not. Uh, legalization of marijuana in many states, recreational even, 
Um, so things have changed and become more normalized. Whether you like that or you don't like that, they, they have slowly shifted a little bit. The difference is we're still a very conservative group. Um, country clubs, golf courses, they're, they're still very conservative. So as a lot of society has moved in that direction, we're still behind. I don't know if it's behind, we're just, we're not moving as fast. Um, and so the students have to be really cautious of that. Um, but I agree, airing dirty laundry, but I, I borderline push that all the time. I put stupid stuff up all the time. And sometimes I get yelled at and sometimes I go, oh man, I should probably take that down. And other times I'm like, ah, screw it, it's fine. So I don't know, the personalized thing. There's Good no point but on Twitter, just uh, just delete, no edit. Well, I feel like yeah. we could talk about this the entire hour. Uh, I have for some reason scheduled probably five hours worth of, uh, of conversations into one hour. So Matthew, John, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for being a part of this. And let's have a longer conversation about social media at some point in 2021, because it's fascinating and you two are both leaders. Our next guests, Paul and Christy Hurst, are maybe pandemic breakout stars. You guys have become huge, huge hits on Turf Twitter really over the last year and change. And you had played in bars for quite a few years. Maybe this is this is the real proving ground, the real audience. If you can play to Turf Twitter, you can play anywhere. Yeah. Technically, technically life. The, the band name. I'm going to let you guys get out of the way. You can introduce yourselves as much as you want. Uh, Thank you. This, this is the musical halftime show, the musical interlude of GCI 21. It's great to have you guys here. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt, also as well. Uh, I have to just concur with you guys so much about the community thing. It's been crazy, the acceptance. Uh, it's been crazy uh, how much fun we've had doing it. So uh, I got to thank a couple people too, Matt. Wharton up top left there on my screen. Thank you, Matt, for your support. Uh, there's a guy named Tim Krieger out of the Carolinas Golf Course Association that has been unbelievably supportive. Uh, Joe Wachter out of here in St. Louis. I got to mention my business partner, Jeff Baxter, the guy that told me to do this. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, sure. What you got, Christiane? Before we sing, I know we're supposed to sing, but Christiane? I think I think. Just a very welcoming group you guys are. Um, as an outsider to the industry, it's just been um, just very nice to to kind of be able to piggyback off of this one here to just get a little glimpse into um, to what this community is about. And and again, just thank you for the uh, for the very very warm welcome for the shenanigans that have taken place in our kitchen for the last year. We'll play a song, Morgan. Uh, this is for you uh, at your request. We're going to try to just rock a little bit here for you here. And I feel the time's wasted where you go to the marble when I see that he had the massacre. Would you read me? Will I be? 
where you going, going on? Where you going with the mask up I feel and I feel when the clothes begin to smell her. Will she smell Thank you again. You. Thank you so much, guys. And if you only stayed around to listen to the Hearsts, stick around a while longer. They have one more track before the end of the hour. Our second of two roundtables with a couple of superintendents in different parts of the country, different time zones. We have Matt Gorley from Cooper Hills in Kansas, W. Craig Wyant. Uh, Hawks Nest, that the, the moorings at Hawks Nest in Euro Beach, Florida. Craig, also the 2021 Conservation Award winner. There's already a video with him online, and you'll be uh, on the Friday podcast conversations as well. Welcome on, guys. This is a roundtable basically about how to use social media to promote environmentalism and conservation. You two are, I think, two of the bigger experts country, I'd venture to say. Have at it, Craig. This is this is your show as the big winner. We'll let you talk. <laughs> I, I, as I told him before, I was completely surprised when I got it. I told him I nearly deleted the email. I thought it was a joke. I get quite a bit of teasing from my colleagues about my Twitter feed, so I'm, I'm still surprised. I thank Aqua Trolls and Golf Course Industry for the recognition, but still shocked. I, I, I 
I just don't believe it. Well, I mean, we've already done the video and we've done the full, I, th I think your award is already out there. If it's not, it's in the mail. Uh, so it's, it's real, I promise. So I sent you both a few talking points last week and I'm curious, you, you, you both have had so many great things at your courses, so many great projects. What really stands out? You know, you had mentioned uh, there was a, a recently completed project with 40 undeveloped acres of scrub. Uh, you're thinking about trying to create a hiking trail through it, get people involved. That sounds awesome. Uh, what else What else stands out for you, Craig, and, and for you, Matt, as well? Well, for me, it was the hiking trail this year. Um, with COVID, to be able to get the membership out in a safe environment, get them out into nature. Um, I started doing wildlife tours about 15 years ago for the membership to get them to look at the property differently than just seeing the course and bunkers and black sticks and tea markers. Uh, I wanted them to stop and look at a butterfly and look at a plant and appreciate that maybe that plant's edible and you've been past it every day and you never even knew it. So golf, I, you know, I, I, I wanted him to just look at the property in a different way and appreciate it for something else besides golf. You know, as, as for myself, I, I look things as uh, from a business perspective. So I try to look at ROIs and all that. So for this past year uh, we put a solar solar array on our, uh, our, our shop roof that, is almost done. I just need to hook a wire up to the electrical panels. We're waiting on a, an expert to do that. But, um, you know, I'm probably more, more known for doing nothing, you know, don't fertilizing. I mean, to me, it's, uh, it, 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 it helps nature, but at the end of the day, it's a business decision for us. And uh, there's Matt Wharton throwing me off with America's greenkeeper sash. Greatly appreciate that extra flair. <laughs> <laughs> but I try to do it as a business decision, right? So if, if we're fertilizing less, we're using less products, we have to mow less, which is less wear and tear on the equipment, less man hours, less oil changes, less grinding, everything like that. So, um, you know, our environmentalism stems from that as well as being part of the Audubon International Society uh, or program um, as part of our inception of, of Colbert Hills when we opened 21 years ago. And there is just a real quick promotional plug, the April issue, which will be online next week and in your mailboxes in a few weeks, includes three great stories about environmentally savvy maintenance, uh, which would not tied to the round table, but uh, you mentioned Audubon and Audubon. I'm curious, Craig and Matt, when you're on social media, I'm sure you both use social media for some environmental inspiration. Obviously, going out in the future helps a lot too. That's probably the biggest inspiration. But what sort of ideas, what sort of inspiration for the course and the property have you gleaned from whether it's Twitter or Facebook or, or wherever else you hop on for a few minutes here and there? I get ideas off of Twitter all the time. I mean, I've, I've found out that if, if I have a problem, it seems like everybody else has the same one. I remember when I... Um, saw the task tracker years, years ago when it first came out that some other course was using it. I had to call them up and say, what, what is this thing that is saving your assistant? All these hours that you told me about that, that, that it's like the, you know, a Christmas present for him that, that he never realized he could have. 
And uh, he told me about it, swore by it. And um, I, I couldn't imagine going backwards. And those short snippets of ideas that I've learned off of Twitter from, uh, I don't know, a, a better way to drag fairways to um, the task tracker. I, I'm always catching ideas off of Twitter. You know, for myself, I, I try to steal other people's ideas uh, and then bring them to our golf course and claim it as my own. It makes me sound better with our property. But I do try to give due respect as much as possible. But, um, you know, things that I look towards, minus my extra flair here, now that i got to throw some things on, uh, with Wharton calling me out, who's not a real Matt, by the way. He's a fake Matt. That's his middle name. Um, but uh, as for... I try to follow a lot of European individuals um, with their fungicide use because it's going to work its way here in, in the future. And so how can we get around that um, and decrease our use? Um, you know, I've been a big proponent of, uh, uh, of uh, products that Aquatrol sells. Water for us is very expensive. Uh, it's the largest line item that we have minus labor. So trying to figure out how to ways to have, uh, you know, surfactants and trying to hold the water where we want it to go is, is huge for us. And we've been able to decrease our water use, but try to steal other ideas from anywhere and everywhere. It doesn't matter where you are. That's what's great about social media is you can grab ideas from uh, Europe or up in Calgary, Alberta, if necessary and all over. So that's, that's where I try to steal my ideas. I, I agree. I can't believe how global the turf industry is. I'm, I'm looking at uh, problems in Australia that, I don't have kangaroo prints across the greens, but um, they seem to have the same challenges that we do from the UK to Australia. I, I follow people all around the world. You just mentioned Calgary, Matt, and, and there are some brilliant people up in Calgary and we'll get to that in a few minutes. That's up next. Um, in terms of Australia or Europe, this wasn't in the, the talking points that I sent you both, but I'm, curious you mentioned whether it's fungicides moving their way over from europe or some of the the problems faced by australian superintendents and greenkeepers uh what doesn't translate is there anything that doesn't translate from elsewhere around the globe to what you're dealing with in kansas or in florida not personally. Um, you know, I try to steal little bits of tidbit of information. You know, Craig mentioned uh, kangaroos going across the green, but they might have a different approach to getting footprints out or damage out of greens or whatever. I mean, you can find something from any region and, and, and figure out how to turn it around. You know, uh, I'm going to pick, keep picking on Matthew Wharton. Um, you know, he just tweets about rain, how much rain he has. It's unbelievable. He's gonna go, I think I think nine days was this year is his, his record for no rain. I mean, whew struggle there i tell you but um yeah i mean <laughs> i don't know i mean you you can take the ideas anywhere you want i mean uh, it, it to me it when i when i dive into twitter i see everyone has issues that they may be similar ish or different ish but we're all trying to do the same thing we're all trying to provide a product out there that our members enjoy for the least amount of money for them for because it's no matter what, it's not limitless, you know, even Augusta with their women's am this weekend that where they're playing, there's a limit to how much money they're going to spend. They're not going to put a billion dollars out there. So there's still a limit. Agreed. I, I think it makes the world smaller when you see that we all have the same common problems, the same common goals. 
many, many, many different ways to fix it. But, um, and that's where, again, I steal the ideas as well. Excellent. And Matt, I feel like next year when we're all in San Diego together, you and Matthew will have comically long uh, ribbons hanging from your <laughs> and uh, it'll, it'll be the Matt and Matthew comedy hour. Uh, you two in the same panel is, is just Craig, maybe you could be the, uh, maybe you could be the, the, the straight man as always in their double comedy routine. Well, Matt Gourlay at Hilbert uh, Hills, Manhattan, Kansas, Craig Wyant, uh, the Mornings of Hot Fest in Hero Beach, Florida. Thank you so much. And like I said, we could talk for an hour and a half about, we could talk about it all, all day, honestly. But, but, but thank you so much. And keep the great work on, on Twitter. And whenever you see a great idea, like it, make sure you tag us. We had mentioned a minute ago, Calgary, Alberta. Oh, there they are with their comically long ribbons. Except from the last JS or two JSs ago. We'd mentioned Calgary, Alberta, not too long ago. Our final guest of the afternoon, Morgan Creighton, is a rising turf pro, a rising star of a turf pro in Alberta. Morgan is also the founder and driving force behind women in turf grass management, which is our best new program on our social media awards. We wanted to bring her on for a few minutes here to talk about that program. I know Morgan and I talked a few weeks ago about everything you've been working on. The program is, is it up over a hundred women now? Uh, no, it's not quite over a hundred people yet. We're sitting at 97 right now, ah. um, which we're, we're right on that cusp. So we're almost there. So it's about a year and a half old. It has its own Twitter account, by the way, which folks should definitely go follow. Um, and I don't want to say the wrong Twitter account. Uh, so if you just search for women in turf grass management, Twitter, it pops right up. I just cannot remember what the handle is right now. Morgan, what is it? Uh, I actually don't know what the handle is. It's just logged in and I've never touched it since. <laughs> <laughs> you created the account. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so other than obviously the fact that women make up a ridiculously low percentage of folks in obviously the golf course maintenance industry, in turf grass management, uh, and that, that number is going up and it needs to go up. Other than that, what was maybe the driving force, the two driving forces behind you really creating this back in 2019 and building it up over the last 15, 18 months? Uh, well, so when I was a kid, I had my voice taken away from me. I was in a situation that no young girl should be in. And I went to someone for help and it went wrong. So I went from being this extroverted young girl that wanted to do everything to being a huge introvert. And that, I didn't find that I had a voice again until after I went down to Bears inaugural women in golf event down in 2019 in North Carolina. And when I was there, I felt a connectivity that I haven't had in years. I felt that it was okay to be myself again. And uh, when I got back from there, it I, I wanted to ensure that everyone else knew that they didn't have to suppress the, their voice, that they could be who they wanted to be within this industry that is 
growing and promoting inclusion and diversity and try to take it to wherever I can to ensure that everyone has a feeling as though they belong, that they are connected, that they share positive experiences in a male-dominated industry. When we talked a few weeks ago, I know you mentioned that the reaction out of the gate was very strong. And out of those 97 women currently uh, included in the program, I think it was probably, what, 75 or 80? Yes. So originally there was 84 women that I found in Canada. Uh, the last bunch has come since after the conference that I held in February. And that's when I actually started opening it up to the United States and starting to bring more people in outside of Canada. Because I found if I have found in one year, 84 women, and that's kind of it, how, how do I continue this? How do I keep developing it so it doesn't stay stagnant after the first year. And uh, so more and more women started coming in. I now have 11 students that are either enrolled in or on the waiting list to be enrolled in an interpress post-secondary. And they are matched with those 96 women and they're growing their network. They're learning how to stay positive and how to deal with all the things that come with being in a turf grass industry. And it's from people that sometimes you have just a better connection with, a better understanding right off the gate. And we had a couple folks message us in the chat, the Women in Turf Grass Management Twitter handle, which is turf MGMT women. It limits you to I think 15 characters. So turf MGMT women. What role has the Twitter account played people reach out to you through that or is it really a lot of your efforts to try to find them through email or of websites? Uh, so originally I was going around to all of the Canadian associations that being regional or national to try to find any connections that I had through there and then email if they knew any more women. Uh, once I created the Twitter handle and started actually posting on it, I found that people were starting to reach out to me and want to be a part of the program. And I, like I said, I had a conference in February and I'm gonna say 60% of the attendees were because of Twitter, were because of me putting the fact that I was having a conference on there and then having people reach out and wanting to be a part of it and trying to find out how they can learn about the program about this movement that's happening within the industry. And of course your last event was weeks before all of this started before the pandemic really hit and everything shut down last spring. Now with more and more slowly starting to open, I'm very excited. I'm getting my first shot next week. Uh, have some plans to at least drive around, uh, if not fly. Do you have any events in the future planned or is it still too far away with everything to, to set a particular date or a location or anything like that or, or just keep it virtual? I have goals for event plan, events planned. I don't necessarily have any set in stone yet. I'm really taking that month by month. I mean, I have 
five or six events that in theory I would like to have this year, but each month as I get too close to a certain event, I tick that off. So I'm trying to do a lot of the base work planning so that if restrictions do start to lift and it can be a go that I'm not floundering all of a sudden right at the end. But in all honestly, probably this year it will just stay virtual and that'll give me another year to try to get my bearings set and get more sponsors under my belt before that I start to bring it in person. Well, very important work, very timely work. And I know with the U.S. Women's Open uh, fast approaching at Troy at the Olympic Club, bringing on, I know the plans were for more, but I think a few people got tangled up uh, in international travel. They're not able to make it, but I think 25 or 28 women out of a crew of 50 volunteers, uh, that, that's pretty cool to have a volunteer crew that's about half women and for that event in particular. Yeah, that honestly is absolutely phenomenal. Um, during the conference, Syngenta's Kimberly Garb reached out and put the link onto the conference chat. And from there, we had almost everyone that could apply. And then everyone that was in Canada, unfortunately, couldn't go just because of border restrictions. And from there, even more travel restrictions. But throughout the program, I know of seven females that are going to be at that open. And I think that's absolutely phenomenal. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and more great work to come in the rest of 2021, 2022 and beyond. Keep, keep up the awesome work, Morgan. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. This has been a fantastic hour. Thank you to Morgan Creighton for helping bring uh, more women into this industry Matt Gorley, Craig Wyatt, thanks for bringing in such an environmental and conservation eye to this industry. Matthew Wharton, John Kaminsky, social media leaders for years and years. Drew Miller, helping bring in literally hundreds of teenagers to uh, turf grass management. Just incredible work. Obviously, Matt Foster, everything you guys do at Aquatrol. And again, congratulations to all of our super social media award winners, Matt Shaver, Trey Kemp, Morgan, uh, Creighton, who you just heard from, Craig Wyatt, who you just heard from, Dan Grogan, Jeff Sexton, Thad Thompson, Pledge, and Ryan Cummings. Oh, and Drew, and, and all the folks at Brentsville District High School. And last but not least, Paul and Christy Hurst, thank you for playing today. You've got one more song in you. You've got a lot more than that, but one more for this. You have a standing invite to the 2022 Take us home.
Everybody at Golf Course Industry Magazine, I'm Matt Lowell. Thanks so much for coming to this 2021 virtual tweet up. We will see you online next year and in San Diego next February. Mm-hmm.